Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. All right, in Job chapter 4, and uh, in chapter number 3, Job said, um, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. And then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Now this was the one that came to visit Job, and he said, If we assay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. He said, Now, Job, you've been instructing people for years, and you've been instructing many people. And he said, Those that are weak, uh, you've uh, uh, strengthened the weak hands. And then in verse 4, Thy words have upholden him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. And he's saying, now, Job, you've always been around when people came and had problems, and and you were the one that <clears throat> gave out the advice, and you were the ones that, that spoke to them. You were the one that gave strength to them. He said in verse number 5, But now it is come upon thee, and thou faintest, it touchest thee, and thou art troubled. And uh, I just want to tell you, no one is, uh, is free from the cares and disappointments and heartaches in life. And that's what life is all about. Amen. Now, everybody thinks, well, life is just a, a bowl of cherries, so to speak. No, life is heartache and disappointment. And life is full of, um, full of uh, strife and full of uh, things to make you discontented and to worry you and, uh, and make you anxious. And that's just the way life is. And it's all around us. And some of these things have come my way, and I certainly don't want to faint when they come to me. Would you stand, please? And we're going to talk tonight about the shepherd's relationship to his sheep. And I guarantee you next week <coughs> or the next time we're back on this, I'll have your outline for you. Now, uh, we just didn't have the the time, Ms. Bird didn't have time to prepare an outline for you today and to get it to you in your hand, but um, I'll give it to you tonight as we move through the message. We're going to be talking about the shepherd's relationship to his sheep. Now, look in Psalm 23, and let's read it again. You say, Brother Bill, you read it last week. That's all right. It won't hurt you. It'll help you. It'll strengthen you. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I want you to turn over to John chapter number 10, please. John chapter number 10. 
And let's look beginning in verse uh, number one, please. John chapter number 10. And look at verse number one. Verily I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger's. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep, and other sheep I have, uh, which are not of this fold, them also must I, I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You may be seated, and then... Hold your place there and go down to verse number uh, 24, please, if you will. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Our Father, we pray that you might bless tonight. Help us, dear God, in everything that's said and everything that's done here tonight, Lord, that you might have honor and glory. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Now, nowhere in the Bible will you find a better description of the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep than you'll find in Psalm 23. Now, uh, it's different in this part of the world. You ride around there, see sheep, sheep farmers nowadays, they, they have a pasture, they have a fence around it, 
And they, of course, just turned the sheep out, Brother Jerry, and they, uh, they just stayed within uh, the confine, confines of that fenced-in pasture. But it wasn't like this in the, in the Holy Land. Uh, the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep was a vital relationship. Now, uh, when I use the word vital, I mean that it was essential. Now, your big toe is, is uh, you, you like it, you know. I wouldn't want to lose my big toe. Somebody told me one day, said, Brother Bill, if it wasn't for your toes, you'd roll. Well, I don't know about that, but I, I do know that I'm glad that I've got a big toe. I'm glad that I have a little finger and uh, so forth. But these parts of my body are not what we call vital organs. Now, uh, my liver is vital. It's essential to me. I can't get along without my liver. And then my kidneys are vital organs. You've got to have your kidneys in order to function. And of course, your heart is a, is a vital organ. So I'm saying to you tonight that this relationship between the shepherd and his sheep was a vital relationship. They were dependent upon this shepherd for the life that they had. Uh, when the Bible says that that uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means that he provides all the provisions for the sheep. Notice when you read there, it says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's uh, sake. And then the pronoun changes all of a sudden, and it seems as if David is standing right in the presence of the shepherd, and he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And then he goes on and says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, he's showing us this special relationship between uh, the shepherd and his sheep. Now, in John, where we read a few minutes ago in John, then we're no longer talking about sheep animals, but we're talking about sheep in the sense of people, and we're talking about the good shepherd, not the shepherd of a flock of, of animals out here, but we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd that gave his life for the sheep, and we're begin talking about people. Now, <clears throat> I want to give you some things tonight about the shepherd and the relationship that the sheep have with him. Now, I wasn't born a sheep. That's right. I wasn't born into this world a saved man. I was a lost person when I was born in this world. I had a sinful nature about me, and I didn't want to get around God's people. I didn't want to, want to be around the preacher. I didn't want anything to do with the Bible and this sort of thing when I was growing up. Uh, my mother and father took me to Sunday school, but when I got old enough to make a decision for myself, I didn't go. I just didn't go. So I wasn't born in this world as a saved person. Now, I want you to know this. The first thing about the shepherd and the sheep is that the shepherd always found the sheep. You remember the story in Luke where the <clears throat> one lost sheep went out and the Bible says that the shepherd went out and he searched for him to, till he found him. And now you can't lose a dog. You can't lose a cat. You can't lose a horse. The only way you can get rid of a, a, a cat or a dog is to, uh, well, put them to sleep, something like that. And uh, 
Some folk, they don't even like to think about that. That's about the only way, Ms. McClung's not here tonight, so I can say it, but um, that's about the only way you can get rid of a dog or a cat. You go put them out. We used to try this. Listen, we'd put dogs and cats out beside the road. You know what? They'd beat us back home. That's right. They knew how to get home. I was looking out the back window one day, Lily Bell. Oh, Lily Bell. Little, a black cat, female, mama cat. I saw an automobile hit her brother Frank and uh, just knocked her way up in the, in the air like that. Last time I saw her, she went over a field. I said, we'll never see that cat again. And I'm telling you, about two or three weeks later, she drug back up there. I mean, listen, you can't get rid of them unless you put them to sleep. But now sheep aren't like that. I mean, listen, they, uh, they, they're helplessly and hopelessly lost. If they get away from the shepherd, they'll just wander away. Now, how's a, how... How are they lost? First of all, they're lost in a heedless way. In other words, they just don't pay attention uh, to what they're doing. They they get to grazing, and uh, they'll get over here, and here's some grass looks real good here. And before you know it, they, they kind of out of the corner of their eye, they look up, man, that's some good dandelion greens over there, and I believe I'll go over there, and they just keep wandering, and they don't pay any attention to where they're going. You know any people like that? Sure, I do. I mean, listen, I, a lot of people are lost just because they, they're heedless. They, they just don't uh, think about where they're headed. They don't even think about danger. I mean, listen, that sheep doesn't worry about uh, the wild beast and, and so forth. He's not afraid. And um, lost people, they're, they're not afraid also. They, uh, they're, they're just out there and they, they just heedlessly just keep going on. They, they're heedless of every sort of danger. Now, man's the same way. Man's the same way. He's heedlessly lost. The prodigal son was like this. When he got all of his money, what did he do? He went out and had himself a good time. Nobody loves to spend money any more than I do. Man, I can get rid of it in a hurry. You know, I mean, if, if Ms. Burr, or you grinning at Billy, you, you're taking right after your daddy. I mean, listen, you give him a piece of money, he never remembers to bring you the change back. And uh, he knows how to spend it, how to get rid of it. Well, the prodigal son was like that. And he had a good time. He lived it up. I mean, listen, there's... There's pleasure in sin. Don't let anybody come by and tell you that you don't have a good time living in sin. Bright lights and honky-tonks and bar rooms and, and, and so forth. I, there's a lot of, a lot of good time out there. A lot of good time Charlie's having themselves a lot of, a lot of fun and excitement out there. But I want to tell you there's a payday. And when this prodigal son, he lost all that he had, lost all of his money, he found out when his money was gone, his friends was gone. Did anybody want to have anything to do with him? But I thank God, the Bible says, that he came to himself. Now, he didn't produce that awareness. God did it for him. Amen. God was the one that brought this man to his senses and God was the one that made him realize that everything I have is gone. I'm lost and I, I can't help myself. I believe I'll go home to my father. Now, they're, they're heedlessly lost. They're, they're senselessly lost. They don't have any, any sense of, of direction. The, the more it tries to get home, the more lost it becomes. The more confused it becomes. Uh, how many people do you know tonight? out here that are lost and trying to get home in different directions. I mean, trying to get to heaven. I mean, some think you got to work your way there. Some think you got to get into some particular church. 
Some think you got to be baptized. Some think you got to live a good, clean, moral, upstanding life in order to get to heaven. You got to live it day by day. I mean, there's so many different ways out there. People become confused. And so they're, they're in, a, in a sense, they're just like the sheep who are heedless. They're senseless, no sense of direction. And then they're defensively lost. I mean, they can't provide themselves for themselves. And, and, and man is in the same way. He's helpless. Listen, a man is helpless against the wiles of the devil. A man is helpless against the world and the flesh and the devil. They have a pull on him and somehow he just doesn't seem to be able uh, to, to throw it off and to, uh, and to get victory within himself. How many times? How many times have I sat on the, on the side of the bed and I, I sat there and, and the room was going around and I was so sick. I'd been to the bathroom and and stayed in there for 30 minutes, just sick as, he used to say, sick as a dog. And I, I'd have my head down, and I'd say, Lord, I ain't going to never drink no more. I promise you, I'll never touch another drop of that stuff. Anybody ever been like that? Sure you have. But I, I can tell you right now, you cannot get over that thing. Um, the Bible says that man without God is without strength. I mean, he has no strength whatsoever, and he just does those things. It's his nature to do those things. It's man's nature to, uh, to go away from God. That's the way he was born. Now, what does it mean to be lost? Now, I want you to listen to me, because this is what people need to know and understand, what it means to be lost. Now, we've already said the sheep are lost. Some of them just heat, not hurting anybody. You ever had anybody tell you that? Say, hey, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting my mama, not hurting my daddy, not hurting my wife, not hurting my father. That's what they think. You know, other people are involved in it. But so many times I've had people tell me, well, I'm not hurting anybody. Now, that means they're just heedless. They, they're just wandering around. out They're lost. And they, they have no sense of direction. They're defenseless. They're helpless. They're hopeless. They're homeless. They're without God. Now, what does it mean? Number one, it means separation. It means separation. Now, uh, the Bible tells that there's, uh, there's three different kinds of death, and I'm not going to go into this very deeply tonight because I've been into it so many times, but I think people ought to know and understand that death means separation. There's physical death, amen. There's physical separation of the soul and spirit from the body. When a person dies, that's what happened to them. The soul and spirit moves out of this body, and that's what we call death. That's physical death. But then the Bible says that there are people who are walking around. There may be some here tonight. There are people who are walking around. They're breathing. They're alive. Their heart is beating within them. Blood is coursing through their veins. They may get up and go to work. They come home. They have a family like everybody else has. They have little children. They drive their automobile. They have them a home, a house uh, to live in. And they, as far as being physically alive, they're alive. But the Bible says that they are dead in trespasses and sins. That means that they are separated from God because of their sin. They just have one nature. I mean, they're a lost man. 
They don't want anything to do with God. Oh, if they get in a bind somewhere, get in a wreck, somebody's dying or something like that, they may say, oh, God, help me. But I'm telling you, God may help them and God may answer their prayers, but God is not obligated to because they are of their father, the devil. That's according to the Bible, John 8 in verse number uh, 44, I believe. Now, I'm saying to you that there's some who... Who are living physical lives, but they're dead. Now, also, now this is what it means to be lost. Friend, a person that is lost is the third kind of death, and that is eternal death. That means that you, body, soul, and spirit are separated from God for eternity. Somebody said, well... That's not so bad. Listen, friend, you have no comprehension tonight to know what it would be like to be cut off from God, to be cut off not only from God, but cut off from humanity. The Bible says they'll be as wandering stars forever, lost in the blackness of midnight, in hell, in fire, in torment. Listen, they will be in solitary confinement forever without ever any hope of ever being in God's presence again. Now, uh, a lot of people just don't understand exactly what it means, but to be lost means to be totally, eternally separated from God, cut off, doomed. Uh, it means separation, but it also means uh, that they're irresponsive. Listen, I, people get saved when God deals with them. Amen? Somebody said, well, I'm going to get saved one day. I mean, listen, when I, when I get to be an old man and uh, I'm 65 years old, 70 years old, one foot in the grave, and, and I can't enjoy life anymore, and I can't, uh, maybe I'm physically uh, unable to get out and carouse and have a good time, go to my card games and this sort of thing, and, and I can't drink booze anymore because my stomach is almost rotted out and, and, and cirrhosis is set in on my liver. And, and when I get in that condition right there, I'll get saved. My friend, you listen to me and you tell your friends this, the only time a man will ever get saved is when God Almighty is dealing with their heart. God has to be dealing with you in order to, for you to become responsive to him and to trust him as your own personal savior. Now, it, being lost not only means separated, not only means being irresponsive to God, but it means being imperiled. Listen, uh, the Bible says that there is a hell. Amen. Doesn't make any difference what the Jehovah's false witnesses have to say. There is a hell. People don't like to talk about hell. People don't like to discuss hell anymore. They just like to get it out of their mind. I want you to know this. Jesus Christ emphasized hell. Jesus Christ drew attention to hell. We hear so much about love today. God is love. Amen. Every time I turn my television on, I see some of them standing there. You can almost see the honey dripping off their lips. And they're, uh, they're telling you, oh, God loves you. God loves you. And I, 
I've heard them talk about getting saved. And they say, well, Jesus died for you. Why don't you just receive him as your Savior and be saved? There's more to it than that, my friend. I mean, there's got to be some repentance. There's got to be some sorrow for sin. There's got to be a change of your mind and your, and your heart condition before God. These things are involved. Listen, when I got saved, I thought I was lost. I thought I was going to hell. I'd never been in church like that before. I'd never heard any preacher preach like that man did that night. I'd never felt the convicting power of God like I did that night. And I saw myself lost, cut off from God forever, and doomed and damned. And I came to Jesus, and I repented of my sin. I changed my mind about myself and about God. That's what's involved in this thing. Now I want to emphasize something else to you tonight. The shepherd never, or the sheep never finds the shepherd. It's always the shepherd that finds the sheep. Did you know that? Now, I remember the day that I went to church, the day that I got saved. Now, we'll forget that. I've told it so many times, but i just give you a little bit of it tonight. I remember going because somebody invited me to go to church. I remember going because I thought that I needed to be in church. I was in the uh, management program of W.T. Grant Company. And I thought if they had instructed me that I, I needed to be in a, in a civic organization, I ought to join the Lions Club, the Optimist Club, or something of this nature. And then I, I needed uh, 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 to be in a church. I needed to have... Uh, my name affiliated with some church in the in the city uh, because they wanted to put forth the air of respectability among their men. Now, they didn't care what you did. They just wanted you to have your name on the roll and so forth. And so I decided I'd go to church. And when I got to church, now I wasn't trying to get saved. I had no intentions of getting saved. I didn't want to get saved. I I, I didn't even want to know about God. I just went and thought I'd go simply to join the church and get my name on the roll. But I guess I made a mistake. I went to a Baptist church. I really did. I, I grew up in the Methodist church, and uh, I never did get on the conviction there. I'm not saying that some Methodist churches aren't preaching the gospel. I know about the one that I attended. I know how it was. And I know I'd never heard a gospel message until I went that morning and that pastor preached. And brother, I'm telling you, he preached on everything uh, that morning. And then that night I went back again because now I didn't go seeking God, but somehow God got a hold of my heart and God arrested my soul and God brought me back to that church that night and I heard about hell, I heard about heaven, I heard about how to get to heaven, I heard that I had to repent of my sin and ask Jesus Christ into my heart. I went forward and received him. I'm trying to say to you, it's always the shepherd that does the seeking, the sheep never sought after God. The Bible says there is none that seeketh after God. None. That's a pretty clear statement. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I want you to know this. I, I read an illustration today. Uh, I believe it was in one of 
Spurgeon's sermons are taken from that where a man got saved and he was saved a long time ago under the old Puritan preachers. Now, uh, they were a little bit hyper-Calvinist. In other words, um, they were these kind, if you're going to get saved, you'll get saved. And if you're not going to get saved, you'll be lost. And I mean, whatever's to be is going to be. And this fellow got saved and, and they came to him and asked him to tell him how he was saved. And he said this, he said, well, I did my part and God did his part. Now that part about him doing his part, they didn't like too much. And they asked him, would he please explain what he meant about doing his part? He said, my part was to run from God just as hard as I could. And his part was to run me down and catch me and save me. Now that's just about the truth. That's the way men are. They run from God. They flee from God. They don't want anything to do with God. And then the Holy Ghost of heaven arrests their soul, directs their attention towards God and, and towards their sinful uh, condition and their need. And God draws them. And that's the way people get saved. Now, he... Uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he found the sheep. Now, the second thing I want you to know is this. He fold the sheep. Now, the word fold, F-O-A-L, it means to give life. I want you to look at John chapter number one. I don't go to sleep on me tonight, folk. I'm doing the best I can. I mean that, and and uh, I think it's good. I really do. I I wish sometimes I could sit out there. I'd give the preacher a good amen every now and then. But I, I, I appreciate you and your attention tonight. But now look at, look at John chapter number 1. And I want you to look at verse number 12. It says, but, to, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now notice this, I, I told you a little while ago that only God can beget you into the family of God. Only God can birth you into his family. It says, which were born not of blood. Now uh, that's talking about, uh, about your parents, your background, uh, your lineage, or where you come from. And then it says, nor of the will of the flesh, that's you. In other words, you don't have anything to do with it yourself. Nor of the will of man, that means that nobody else out there can do it for you either. Now, that pretty well sums it up. I mean, listen, your parents are ruled out. You're ruled out. Everybody else is ruled out. The only one that can do it, he goes on and says, but of God. Now... The spiritual birth is what God does for you through the Lord Jesus Christ. He fold the sheep. I mean, he birthed them into the family of God. And then he fed the sheep. Now listen, he found them, he fold them, and he fed the sheep. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over now let me just add a thought or two to this a sheep is a clean natured animal and anything else and uh, you can go down and slop the hogs but if you put a cigar butt in there 
That old hog, he'll root around it and put it aside, you know, and he won't eat that. You know what a goat will do? Go to pick it up. That's right. Go to pick up an old cigar butt. He'll go after old uh, uh, dirty rag, a little bit of it uh, down in the ground, rotten, stinking. He'll pull that up, and, and uh, it, it's just rotten and filthy. Uh, he's a filthy-natured animal, but a sheep likes that which is clean. Now, the shepherd knew that, and he led it to that fresh green grass that it likes so much. Amen. It says, He leadeth me by the still waters. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know, the shepherd knows what you need. He knows what you desire, and he provides that for you. Now, my son's getting old enough to begin thinking about girls. And uh, he's asking me one day, he said, Daddy, where can I take a girl? What can I do? He said, uh, where can we go? Now, you know, that's, uh, that's something to think about. I mean, we live in a day where you just can't go anywhere and do anything, and uh, you have to be careful. And that's the way it is with a sheep. I have certain desires. God knows what it is, and God provides, and God takes care of those. And I keep trying to put him off and say, son, God will let you know. God will let you know. He'll lead you in the right way, and he will. But I'm saying to you, a sheep is a clean-natured animal, and the shepherd knows that, and he takes care of it. Now, I want you to know this also. Uh, goats, they don't ever lie around and chew the cud. Now, remember last week we talked about chewing the cud, that that sheep, when he's satisfied, when he's contented, and when he's full and just laying over there chewing on his cud, that means he's producing some wool, he's producing some flesh, he's producing some milk, and all of this is working with that sheep. But now goats aren't like that. They're discontented. They never seem to find any contentment. They always wander around chewing things up, getting into things and uh, things that they ought not to be in. Isn't that a picture of the world? I mean, listen, this is the most uh, discontented, restless, dissatisfied bunch of people that I've ever seen in my life. Nothing seems to satisfy them. Nothing at all. They get one automobile, and then somebody down the streets gets one a little bit better than that, and they have to go trade it in and get another. Somebody else gets a bigger television than they've got. They see it. They say, I've got to have one of those. They've got to have a nice home. They've got to have everything under the sun. Listen, I believe with all of my heart tonight that it's not those things that make a happy home. You can't buy happiness. Did you know that? You can be the richest man in town, but you cannot buy happiness. Happiness is a result of the spiritual life that you have in your home. But uh, people are like goats. They're, they're, just, they're just discontented. Now, he not only fed them and took care of them, but he forewent them. I mean, listen, he... He didn't drive them to pasture. He went before them and, and he led them every step of the way. Let me give you one illustration and we'll close. Moses. You remember Moses? Moses was on the backside of the desert and Moses learned some things over there. He learned patience. He learned how to deal with just about every situation of living in the wilderness and finally, one day, God came to Moses, and he says, Now, I want you to go down there and get my people, and I want you to bring them out of Egypt, 
And he knew, God knew that they would be in the wilderness and God knew that he needed a man out there to lead them that knew where the water holes were, that knew where to lead them and knew the dangers out there and knew how to take care of his people. Now that's what the shepherd is, amen? The shepherd knows. Have you ever thought about it like this? When you ride on a train and you sit in maybe the third or fourth car back, through West Virginia, going around the curves like this, and you look out the window, and you can see just where the engine is up there, and sometimes the engine even gets out of sight going around the curve. You can't see around the curve. But now look, God's way up here, so to speak, and God, Brother Jerry, is able to look down, and he can see the first part of the curve, God sees on round the curve. God sees the end from the beginning. And God knows everything. God knows what things are going to help you, what things are going to hinder you. And I can say tonight from down deep in my soul that the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. I shall not want. He takes care of me. I'm completely dependent upon him tonight. And so are you. You're dependent on him tonight for the very breath that you breathe. Somebody said, how far is it from here to the uh, to death or the grave or the hell? Uh, just about uh, 18 inches or so. That's right, from your heart to your brain. I mean, listen, when that heart quits pumping like that and blood quits coursing through your body, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. If you have a blood vessel somewhere in your body, to burst, my wife came to me today. She said, I had something in my eye a few moments ago. Felt like somebody stuck a, a needle in my eye and that feels salty in there and it's burning. I said, uh, that's probably a little blood vessel has burst in your eye. Let me tell you something, friend. A blood vessel could burst somewhere in a vital part of your body right now and you'd be in eternity. You say, Brother Bill, you're trying to scare us. No, I'm just trying to be honest with you tonight, and I'm trying to tell you that you need the Savior. You need the Savior. Most of us, I, I trust we're saved tonight. There may be some here who are not, and they need to trust Jesus Christ.